Happy Pentecost. We gather um, this morning to celebrate this great feast. And, um, you know, in the past, we've done all kinds of marvelous things to try to celebrate this day. And it's a day worthy of celebration. What I'd like to do this morning is talk about maybe a couple things that we celebrate on this day. A couple things that make this day important. One of these is the historical event that we're remembering and celebrating, commemorating. And the other part of it is what it means to us today, like what it means to us in the trenches as we live out our faith. Those are the two things I want to hold up and lift up this morning as we celebrate and think about and reflect on um, Pentecost. And the first one of these uh, is to think for a minute about the historical aspect of this, um, of what we're celebrating, commemorating. And I'm convinced that Pentecost is one of these days that if we're not careful, we can get so lost in all of the historical details about what this is and what's taking place that we can maybe miss, like for a second, the really big piece of what we're remembering in a historical sense. And the way I would try to summarize that as is, is, um, shortly and quickly as we can is like this. When you go back and you look at this member of the Trinity, the Holy Spirit, and you look at how the Holy Spirit interacted with humanity and with creation from the beginning, you'll see the Holy Spirit is always present, always doing stuff, but it was, it was in a different kind of way than it is now, right? I mean, I think there are some 90-something instances where the Holy Spirit is mentioned in the Old Testament. But when you go back to the Old Testament and you look at it, the Holy Spirit is involved in very particular ways at creation, or particularly, and this sort of gets to where we're going to go in, the, in a big way, with respect to people, the Holy Spirit would come on certain people at particular times for particular things, particular purposes. And so you can start looking at these, right? You can look back and see how Scripture will talk about how Samson got his strength because he was filled with the Holy Spirit. Or you can look at some of the artisans who worked on the temple and how it talks about the Holy Spirit being on them to do these certain things. Or, of course, we think about the prophets and how the prophets are receiving God's Spirit in order to give messages and do certain proclamations from God. All these different ways. But it was always particular people, certain times. I kind of think of it as, um, in, our, <laughs> in our current context, it's a Zoom call, and you've got to have the password and the particular address. Only particular people had it, and it was only for this particular things, right? But we get this message from the prophet Joel, who's, who says, look, the day is coming when God's Spirit is going to be poured out on everyone. Everyone's going to get it. It's going to be an open Zoom call. There's going to be no password, no address. Just go to it, and you got it. Everyone's going to get it. And on this day, this is the day that we remember and celebrate that that's what happened. Boom. Holy Spirit comes on all the God followers. And it's dramatic. It's a dramatic day. It, there's no getting around that. Like fire, tongues of fire, images of tongues of fire resting on people. There are people who are hearing in other languages. You get um, Peter standing up and giving the first, maybe the best sermon ever given and you have all these people converting and coming to Christ and, and getting, taking in the whole scene. 
and the commitment, all this stuff taking place at once. And it's like this incredible life and energy and everything being given all at this one place. And it's like, boom, it's there. That is one of the things that we celebrate today. This took place in history. Now it's been given out to everyone. And it took place on Pentecost. And we're thinking like, it's, it's on Pentecost. And you're like, wait, this is Pentecost. What are you saying? Well, we get one of these things for a minute where it's like, um, it's a little bit more complicated in this way. Now I'm going to start going a little deeper on maybe some of the historical context that we can get lost in. But Pentecost already existed. There was already a festival of Pentecost that took, that was already there. And then this big event happened on that day on top of that. So we as Christians conflate those two. Like we, we just think there's Pentecost and we just think about the Holy Spirit. But there was this whole other festival that where this all took place, right? And it helps us, I think, to think about what that was that was taking place um, on that day for a moment, the, the festival itself. And we get this in the gospel lesson that Mary read a minute ago, where it's going to talk about on the last day of the festival. What festival? Well, it was a festival of Pentecost, also known as the Feast of Tabernacles or the Feast of Booths. And it had a number of different dimensions to it. One was a remembrance of how God's people had to live in these makeshift booths as part of their journey where they ultimately went in the end of the day from Egypt to where they're finally living in the promised land. These makeshift booths. And you can go read about it in Leviticus 23 and read about the details of all of that. And you'll still see some of this in our culture today where um, Sukkoth and the different booths that will get built um, like at the Biblical Arts Center. You'll see that once a year where they've had that And you'll drive by and there's all these booths out front. That's part of what's going on with that feast. The second part of it was basically an agricultural Thanksgiving. It was a harvest Thanksgiving. And it was part of giving thanks for God's process involved in the agricultural process and the water and all this. And then later on, it also picked up another element that involved commemoration of when the law was given as part of remembering the law being given at Sinai. The word Pentecost, not a surprise, um, is 50, Pente, um, was, it was 50 days from the Passover. We do it 50 days from Easter because they're right, related. So they're, but they're two different feasts taking place and it helps us to remember those two. And in a minute, I'm going to unpack it as we get a little further into the next part of this. But the one more thing I want to mention about this feast as it was celebrated back at the time of the original Pentecost Um, when we read about it in Acts 2. And by the way, great job, Steve, for reading all those hard names. Obviously drew the the short stick on getting that. But um, one of the other rituals that took place, like this was, there were like three really big festivals in the Jewish calendar at the time, right? I won't go to the first two, but you get to this one. And basically everybody within a certain distance of Jerusalem was mandatory that you'd be there. I think it's 20 miles or something. And um, that's what one of the, these, this festival is, right? It's a big feast. And people would not only come from around, but you had pilgrims from all over the world that would come. That's where we get all those hard names. And people are coming there. And one of the rituals that took place that would happen every day is that the priests would go to the well of Siloam and they would draw water in this golden pitcher. They would march with it in procession while everybody chanted um, some of the psalms. And they would come poured at the base of the altar. And people would, um, there were a number of scripture readings 
Um, Zach Garias, or, or, um, there was a passage where we would look at Ezekiel 37 and also that um, they would read from um, Zechariah 14 talking about these things coming together where there was an understanding and a belief that this water would ultimately at the end of the day emanate from the altar into the earth renewing things. This idea that this flow would come out of that place to all the earth to renew it. And Jesus is going to pick up on that, right? Jesus is going to pick up on that whole notion of what's going on with that. But I think what's important for us, I'm going to build on that in a minute, so I kind of wanted to say it, but I think we can get lost in all these details about it. I think the single most important thing to remember about this historical event was that the Holy Spirit was was given to people in limited ways in the Old Testament. Joel said the day is coming when everyone, all the God believers, people who want it are all going to get it. That day has arrived and there's a huge cause to celebrate. The Holy Spirit's been given. Why is that a big deal? Like, it's a big deal because what it means to us today and how we live out our lives. I think it's a big deal anyway, historically. But I want to move to this second point, that it's a big deal because what it means to us today. And I think the analogy um, is, um, well, first of all, I think we think about, ultimately, I'm going to talk about this in a minute, but how the Holy Spirit... And as we live out our faith, brings us power, brings us all these things into our lives in terms of energizing the spiritual life, in terms of energizing the church. And so it's significant for that. And that's the second thing I want to dwell on. But I want to think about these two things, the historical peace and the power and the energy and the empowerment of the spiritual life are the two things that are super important that we celebrate. But they go together, right? And I was thinking about this, you know, if we were talking, if I was up here talking about the 4th of July, I would talk about this important day that took place and all the historical circumstances of what, it, what took place, why we remember it and why we celebrate it. But what would it mean if, on the other hand, you didn't have freedom? What would it mean to think about the 4th of July if you didn't have freedom to celebrate it in? Or if you didn't have justice? And I'm mindful with all the stuff that's going on this week about people in our society and community who feel like they live in a place where there's no justice. And part of our the church letting the Spirit work in us and hearing God's call that the most important things we have is to walk humbly with our God and to pursue justice is that the Spirit should animate us all in all kinds of ways to pursue justice and, and the dignity of every single person, as we say in our baptismal vows, because I'm not sure all of this means anything if you're not getting to celebrate the freedom and the power of the Holy Spirit and understanding and living in God's justice and in God's ways that way, right? And so I want to turn and pivot at this point and think about this, this second thing that we celebrate, because the Holy Spirit comes into our lives. You know, you're, you're given the Holy Spirit at baptism. If you're baptized here, you'll hear those words. You're sealed by the Holy Spirit in baptism, marked as Christ's own forever. You get the Holy Spirit and it, it brings power to us as individuals and it brings power to us as the church in living out our faith. And I, I would pause here to think for a moment about how Jesus, when he's telling the church and talking to the church about the mission that they have and all the things that they're meant to do in working for the kingdom as they move on, how he tells them, wait in the city until you receive power from on high. 
Like he's telling them, I've told you all the stuff you need to do, but you need the power to be able to do this. You need to clothe yourself in power to do this. And so he tells them to wait. He tells them to wait until the Holy Spirit comes. And we're mindful of that for the church and for the mission, but for each of us too, in living out our faith, empowered by the Holy Spirit. It's the church and us as individuals. And we, in our gospel lesson today, I think we get that at a very personal level. Because it's a short passage that we read, but Jesus is around the temple when there, a lot of scholars think that it it was around when maybe this water ritual was taking place. And maybe the priests are walking with with these golden pitchers full of the water from the well of Siloam. And all of this. And Jesus is maybe looking at all these people from all these different places who've traveled there for this big event. And they're looking for something deep. They're looking for fulfillment. They're looking for something of purpose and matter. And they're looking for this deep place. And maybe Jesus looks up and sees that they're still thirsty. And so right maybe at that moment, maybe that's the moment when Jesus says what we heard in the gospel lesson. Come to me, all you that are thirsty, and drink. Come to me. And I wonder for us about our own thirsty souls. When we get to a place where our faith is dry, when we don't have the energy to push forward on justice, when we don't have the energy to pray, when we don't have the energy to keep loving people who seem unlovable, all these different things. Maybe we're thirsty inside our souls. And Jesus gives this invitation then. I think he gives it now. Come and drink. Come and drink. And let this living water, he promises us in verse 38, this living water is going to come out of our hearts. As he says, out of believers' hearts shall flow rivers of living water. John makes the point like he's going to say this is a holy spirit thing he wants us to be super clear like don't be mistaken this is a holy spirit thing even though he's saying it at the back of this time before it's all taken place so i think the second super important part about pentecost for us is to not not only celebrate but then we get to this moment of we're celebrating the holy spirit in our own lives and taking this moment maybe to reflect on whether we're thirsty and dry and whether we need to drink again, because we just to be asking the Holy Spirit more and more into our lives as the energy for living out our spiritual lives and living into the brokenness of the world so that God's living water can flow through us. Many, many years ago, I took up the spiritual discipline of journaling. I've done it for over, I think, 30 years now where I'll journal, not always every day, but fairly regularly. And the other day I did something I should do more often. I actually sat down and spent part of a morning reading through some of my journals, just picking different pages and reading through it. And I was impressed again about how when you do that, you can see God's hand moving more clearly in your life. When you, you may not understand what's happening at a time, but you look back and you can, you look back at it and you can see God's hand as you read through these things. So I I encourage you to think about that as a spiritual discipline. But when I read it recently, I was thinking about the role of the Holy Spirit in all of this. I think about the Holy Spirit in my parents' real conversion. I think about the Holy Spirit in some of the retreats I did with happening and things back in high school. I think about the role 
of the Holy Spirit when I, my faith really came alive in college as I got into contemporary music and, and people like Keith Green and others who were so on fire and I learning later about the role of the Holy Spirit in their lives and what was taking place with all of that. I think about the Holy Spirit in seminary and then ultimately when I did my internship at a very spirit-led church, an Anglican church in London, and seeing things I'd never seen before. Hearing things like, um, I can remember this one speaker we had in at the church who is the guy who preaches to the Pope twice a year, Advent and Lent. This guy named Renero Cantalamessa who told this story about how he'd been a Franciscan um, priest for 20 years before he really discovered the Holy Spirit. And he talked about this sort of conversion that he had where he'd been a patristic scholar at the University of Milan and the professor said that they'd sent off um, they had sent off Saul to this, com- this retreat and conference and they, and they got back Paul. And that was the perfect note to begin this whole year with. And it's just, I'm just mindful that all these times in my life when I've grown have all been about places where the Holy Spirit has had, been given permission to reign and to, and to let go and to be open to seeing. And, and I'm mindful for us maybe at Pentecost to reflect on that question of whether we're open whether we're moving and pursuing the Holy Spirit. I think the analogy I would make when I was, I grew up in an aviation family. And one of the cool things I got to do when I was young is uh, to go learn to soar in a glider and um, with my dad. And uh, one of the things, if you know this, how glider, gliders work, at least in South Texas, it may work, it works differently in the mountains. But um, the way you stay afloat is you, you get, once you get up, the tow plane pulls you up and you're gliding along. You're going to go down pretty fast if you don't get a thermal. And the way you do is you fly around and these thermals are where there's a column of air that gets hot and go, goes up faster than others. And when you feel the wing pop up from a thermal, you turn into it and you spiral around it and it raises you up. And to me, that's a little bit of an image of the Holy Spirit. You, you feel the Holy Spirit someplace and you turn into it. Because it's, it spirals you up and gives you energy and, and, and works with you to the next level that way. And I think Jesus' invitation in the, in the temple that day is that. Come and drink. And I think for us, what does that mean? It's an invitation. But there's some way we can drink. I would say I think the way we drink is, is by ultimately coming to God and being open. Setting aside our fears. Are people going to think I'm crazy if I'm more open to the Spirit? It's a matter of surrender. You take the reins. You take the will. Whatever. And ultimately surrendering to that God and receiving this, inviting the Holy Spirit. Not only receiving the invitation, but inviting the Holy Spirit to have full reign in our lives. To give us God's love in us. Help us love in ways we can't love. Help us forgive in ways we couldn't forgive on our own. Just um, bring life to us. Living waters that will flow out of our hearts. And I want to end with that image because I think it's a fantastic image because it it doesn't say, Jesus doesn't say, when you do this, you'll have this little trickle of water. He doesn't say you'll have a, a nice brook or a little stream. He says, you're going to have a river of living water coming out of your heart. And I'm mindful that to me what it means is we let God's spirit reign in us. We become instruments. He will flow through us to minister to the brokenness in the world. 
to be about building his kingdom. We're blessed in it and others are blessed through it. It's a fantastic thing. On this Pentecost, we celebrate what took place that day. And we also celebrate and call on the Holy Spirit in our own lives. Amen.